Hello and welcome to Crushing Comics. This is the uh, comics review podcast from the Comic Crush. Uh, I am Ben Riley. With me is Felicia Hardy. Hello. Hello. Uh, also known as Liz and Paul. Um, if you can guess which is which, you get a biscuit. Uh, this week on the show, uh, our second episode of season two, we have... Um, uh, a variety of books for you. Not many this week, Liz. This is a very quiet week. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a bit. Um, uh, but, you know, of, yeah, I mean, not, a lot, not a lot of new stuff, I guess. You know, there's a lot of like just, just the, you know, ongoing books. But uh, it feels weird to me because uh, it feels like the, the, you know, normally January is the quiet month, but it feels like because of the various COVID delays and shipping delays, the quiet month has actually been moved to February. I mean, although my list never really seems to get any smaller, unfortunately. No, you know, <laughs> I wish it still did. no shortage, but no, no, that's the thing. It's it's never any. Uh, it, it never ends, and especially uh, if you're addicted like the way we are. However, we have whittled it down just to a couple of books this week. Um, we are going to be talking about uh these books if i can just bring them up for you give me one second we are going to be talking about we'll try an images this week we'll see if it works um so we're going to be talking about suicide squad blaze number one uh we are going to be talking about secret x-men number one and we are going to be talking about land of the living gods number one um so uh we hope you're going to enjoy the show uh hello to everyone listening on the podcast and everyone watching hello it's good to have you on um if you are watching it might be best for you to go sort of full screen for us i mean i i know uh, no one needs to see my face any larger than this uh if at all really um but uh if you go full screen you might get a better sense of, of some of the images although i, I couldn't find a, a great deal of images for some of the uh the comics this week <laughs> So, I mean, all, all I can say is publishers, you know, get get more images out there because, uh, you know, to piracy be damned. We want to sell your books. Um, what books should we start with, Liz? What, what what would you fancy talking about first? Um, I don't know. What What are you feeling, Paul? Uh, now, um, I, full disclosure: I've only read two of these books. Um, I I read uh, Secret X Men and Suicide Squad Blaze. I, I have indeed read those two. Um, but I didn't and get a chance to read the other one, unfortunately. No, as you say, it was a hot book. Land of the Living Gods. Hot, yeah, very, very hotly out. tipped. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't know if it's the creators or, or I don't know the print run or, or what really. Well, we had customers buying like five copies at a time, which we don't yeah, normally okay. allow. So, you know, that's yeah. what, it was a, like a little bit of of that speculation going on with so that. I, I i the delivery was somewhat late gosh i didn't get all the delivery going in straight away on on the tuesday so this came in i think late very late on wednesday afternoon so i didn't pick up a copy until friday when i, I happened to be working um and i was surprised to get a copy because it's going for silly money online um in comparison mean, not not stupid money but just it's it's expensive in comparison you know for a, a, a five dollar book right you know it's going for for something along you know twice that that price already um but yeah we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute uh let's talk about suicide squad blaze first of all now this is from uh Cy Spurrier and aaron campbell who um 
successfully kind of shepherded uh, <laughs> John Constantine through his most recent adventures. Which is um, supposed to be an excellent run. Uh, yeah, um, I, 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 I not... actually really want to read that. Uh, and it's been a while since I read like a Hellblazer book. Yeah, I'm I'm slowly like I've just begun picking up the the large form, you know, the big trades of the the earlier stuff, the Vertigo stuff. Um, this also has colours by Jordi Belair uh, and uh, letters by Adita Vidicar, um, who seems to be one of the hardest working letterers in comics today. His name is on a ton of books, and he works with a lot of UK creators. Uh, so, quick synopsis for you. Uh, Suicide Squad Blaze, number one. The attacks begin without warning, brutal, sudden, cannibalistic. A metahuman with all the power of Superman, but none of his humanity. An unstoppable being ruled by hunger and instinct, striking at random across the world. To stop this threat, Harley Quinn, Peacemaker, Captain Boomerang, and King Shark have been assigned to corral Nurse Maid and, if necessary, execute five deadly new recruits, the expendable products of a secret government procedure called Blaze. They're ordinary prisoners endowed with incredible power in the certain knowledge that it will burn through them like wildfire. They have around three years to live maximum. If you're starting to, if you're staring down life in prison, maybe that's a good deal, especially if you're Michael Van Zandt, desperate to reunite with a mad lover who forsook you after your Bonnie and Clyde crime spree. Um, now, that's all I'm going to say, because the next part of that, and I have had to change that uh, uh, synopsis just a little to avoid a, a spoiler that comes towards the end of the book. Right. Um, now, uh, I haven't read the Hellblazer run. As I said, I'm somewhat familiar with some of Sai's work. I'm looking forward to his new book, which uh, I can't remember the name of the artist on. I'm really sorry. Uh, but the book is called Step by Bloody Step, which, interestingly enough, is going to be a completely silent book. I don't know if you've heard about this. No. It's, it's from Image. So uh, the book is, as I understand, is going to be sans dialogue, sans sound effects. Um, That's cool. And it's just going to, and, and indeed, uh, perhaps even sans captions. It's just going to be images only. Um, I, I'm quite, I, I, you know, you... <laughs> You have to wonder what the role of the writer becomes then in that. But, you know, I'm sure he's, he's shepherded the thing. Direction, through. He's a story, writer. Yeah, you know, yeah. all of that, you know. But um, it, it is an interesting sort of premise, uh, it, you know. Uh, but, I, you know, I think it, it, with the right artist, with the right team, uh, it could be done very successfully. Like, mm. um, we, we talked not too long ago uh, about <clears throat> Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, uh, yes. you know, the Rip Remender book. Um, very, which, even though it's yeah. not silent, it's a, it's very sparing uh, in terms of of dialogue and caption, and you know it's it's actually really mostly reliant on the visual storytelling, mm. uh, and that's and, a great book. And speaking of visuals, let's let's just take a look here at uh, some of the stuff that's in uh, in uh, the Suicide Squad book. There we go. Um, I mean, the, I hope you guys can see that. It, 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 the kind of light and shading that Geordie's getting there and that Aaron's getting are fantastic. And it starts with a, a kind of almost red herring super being landing that you, you feel they're not going to do anything with. But of course, they then come back to this a bit later um, because this is the thing that's being used to to give ordinary people superpowers um 
And interestingly enough, we start with a very movie-centric team of Peacekeeper, King Shark, uh, Harley, and Captain Boomerang. And they are the film versions. I mean, there's no... Like, they're definitely the film versions, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, no, there's no getting around it. Um, and it is. it does kind of, for all intents and purposes, feel like a, a, a special... Uh, like a TV special done for the, uh, in a good way, like a, yeah. a, a Marvel one shot almost done for, for the Suicide Squad movie. Um, and I like the idea that Waller would actually be desperate enough to offer these guys superpowers, uh, which of course they all, to their credit, they all kind of turned down. <laughs> just right. like, nope, no. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, but we, we also get this guy, Michael Van Zandt, who, it's kind of sucked in by the promise of being reunited with his lost lover. Um, I really liked that element of it. Um, yeah, yeah. For the, and for, for like a great portion of the book, we actually don't know who our narrator is. Yeah. Then, Which you know, is, is... Sorry. Until about, I don't know, at least a third of the way through, I would say. Yeah, and the thing I like about that is the fact that it's really using the sort of 48-page uh, scope that a book like this gives you. Uh, obviously, done in your, your preferred uh, comic size, Liz, extra large. Um, <laughs> I know I know you love a, a really big comic. I know you love trying to store those really big comics, well, right? <laughs> no, no, you know, not, not actually my preferred format. However, <clears throat> I do have to say that in this case... Um, you know, the art, uh, you know, is, is definitely uh, serviced by the format. Yeah. Um, you know, it's because uh, I, I can't say that I'm familiar with Aaron Campbell as an artist, uh, but I mean, he's really good. Yes. Um, you know, yeah, very the, much. this very kind of realistic, gritty style. Um, and, uh, and, you know, uh, for sure, you know, uh, I think having, you know, having big pages to show it off, uh, mm. you know. Is not a bad thing. He, he his images are very much kind of Michael Lark in, in almost. Do you not think like there's the certain? Oh yeah, Michael I can Lark see a bit of that. Yeah. Um, and then if we look, oh sorry, that's the wrong comic. <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys, first time using the, the the sort of slides function, so it's going to be a bit bumpy tonight. Um, you know, I, I really like the stuff he's getting, and even things like that, which is kind of the end paper of the book, um, is really nice. And that is very much the Suicide Squad, uh, film, as, yeah. as <clears throat> directed by James Gunn. Um, but yeah, like you can see from this, he's really kind of like he's shading, uh, and you know, the, the stuff that Geordie's doing is it, just absolutely fantastic. Um, did you enjoy the book? I did. I did. I, you know, I really, uh, you know, I can't say that it's, you know, I, I'm a regular Suicide Squad reader, mm. but uh, as you said, this is so accessible because it is the movie team. Um, and the premise is just, you know, it's simple, but great. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, there was just a lot to enjoy about it. Uh, mm. You know, size, size barrier. He's a great writer. Um, I really like, um, just some of the the little storytelling you know uh details and techniques like you know that whole big opening sequence where we're introduced to you know the uh you know as as your synopsis sort of described it like the sort of anti-superman 
you know, um, powered villain that has been uh, sort of hunting um, regular citizens. And yeah, you know, um, there were some great little little storytelling techniques in there. Like, you know, um, there's like a couple of pages where you see, you know, uh, people, all you know, all over the world, like, um, you know, and, they, and he kind of comments that a lot of them are, you know, people that nobody would notice go missing and, mm. you know, might not even get reported. And the way, you know, he kind of uh, lays out, you know, kind of uh, picking images of them just going about their business. And then the next page is them disappearing from the yeah. same, you know, like obviously being just plucked out of, you know, from above. Uh, it's just re it's... really, really clever, mm. you know. I mean, there is that sense that you're dealing with a, a, a super-powered serial killer, um, uh, which is something we have seen before in things like it. It's very prevalent in um, J. Michael Straczynski's redo of Supreme Power from the early 2000s, which is a superb book and sort of drifts in and out of print all the time. Uh, when it comes into print, I would advise you to pick up. It's usually done for some strange reason in three separate volumes rather than just one volume of, of the 18 issues that it covers but there is a superpower killer in that oh, oh and it's this something is like that's... sorry go on oh I, I was gonna say and in, in this case um this this almost seems to be a being driven by instinct and you know almost more of a predator than a you know sort of you know evil superman per se yeah um I wonder if it's something Kryptonian, given. I mean, what there, we see yeah, the there are a the lot book. of yeah. At the um, beginning, we basically have Superman landing in Kansas, except not, you know. Yeah, and and also the the thing is, we see a beleaguered Superman uh, actually under attack from the press, which is an interesting kind of direction to take it in. Um, I I quite like that moment where where Wonder Woman's actually kind of having to step in between him and the press and and kind of right. defend him almost. Yeah, because um, everyone's demanding, why haven't you done something about yeah. this? <laughs> um, but also it shows the trouble of having, you know, gods flying around. Um, you know, that's that's the problem with you, you, you start to rely on him. I can't remember what the book was. It might have been Astro City or something like that, where they, they talk about how... Um, things like city planning takes a dive because they start kind of going a bit sloppy on building regulations because they know there are super people there to, to save the day if something collapses or burns down or, you know, um, and there, there would be, I think a, a sort of concentric ripple effect of having beings like that in the world. And, and it's interesting that it kind of, it, it analyzes that stuff and they managed to squeeze in as as it appears all uh um uh black label books must uh they managed to squeeze in a batman appearance too uh, <laughs> yeah i mean for all of, i mean i guess you get you know you get your trinity um yeah you know. basically. <laughs> <laughs> just a little um, differently than you were expecting um exactly yeah and none of them I, I, none of them are being very effective uh you know against the threat I love the little character details as well, you know. Uh, Nanawe just, you know, can I call my mom? Yeah. <laughs> like, I loved it, just being a complete baby. And, and 
and just as the, the the sort of um coping mechanisms <laughs> i'm not let's say i'm not a mindless predator <laughs> oh that was great i'm a good I'm a boy, good boy. <laughs> <laughs> there are some great moments in this and it is as, as sort of bloody and as violent as you'd expect from something called the suicide squad now i actually think some of the suicide side squad books have been a bit not toothless, but but slightly tampered down. Because... I think that yeah, being black labeled, they can go there, you yeah. know. Um, where like a mainstream Suicide Squad book can't really go there, at least you know, uh, at, at least to the places this one does, because it, you know the violence is, you know, it's very visceral, um, you know, and uh, and also the language, you know, uh, they, they, right away. You know, you know, you're you're in a black label book because they're swearing left and right. And, you know, it's just uh, sex and, and everything, you know. Um, and yeah. I think it really, you know, Suicide Squad is definitely, you know, um, definitely black label, you know, fodder. Um, yeah. And I, I think the, uh, the the sort of nominal kind of female, not lead of the book, but the the kind of love interest of, yeah the love interest is going to be a problem like <laughs> i i think she's gonna gonna be a real problem because if you look at the way she kind of uses uh that poor guy yeah yeah <laughs> in the Who? shower i just it was just like yeah okay yeah. <laughs> you're just and yeah I mean, you're just a sucker yeah um, she seems to know or you know she 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 just you know seems to be kind of quite happy to use the people around her and you know he sort of says that's her you know superpower is is being able to convince people to do things and um, even you know obviously mm. it's not a superpower but it's or is it you know well or is it yeah <laughs> but um and she also you know she she manipulates harley um you know into attacking her because she doesn't want to be paired with her yeah um you know she's she's a manipulator mm. so it's an, it's an interesting kind of dynamic to throw in to you know people who are crazy really um well they I, all wound I, up you know uh in, in prison for a reason you know yeah well i i think the sanest ones there are michael van Zandt and um and uh nanawe really because <laughs> because they're the ones who seem completely aware of what they are right and 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 happy with it in a way and and you know, I like Michael's whole thing of no, no, I'm really, I'm, I don't want to do this because I'm, I'm really working on myself. You know, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to pay my debt and. Right, but it, then as soon as like you know yeah. the woman he's in, you know, uh, in love with, mm. you know, gets involved, then he throws all that out the window and decides to chase after her instead. I wonder if he's named after. Uh, uh, <clears throat> there's a big kind of cult amongst comic creators, it seems, uh, for the film Heat. Uh, and that features a character called Roger Van Zandt. And I wonder if uh, that's a kind of nod to that character. I'd be interested to know. Yeah, if, you uh... know, I actually, I, I was going to ask you if you had any idea mm. if um, if those were uh, established characters in any way or if I, they were. I've I, I genuinely no idea. Um, I, I, I'm curious about this superpowered guy that causes the accident that puts Van Zandt in prison. Right. Um, because I'm not sure if those are established characters. I mean, I think the trouble with something like Suicide Squad is you have to have characters who are going to die. Mm -hmm. And in there are some of the runs you've looked at where straight away you can just pick them out from the beginning and go, oh, they're going to die. They're going to die. <laughs> they're going to die. 
straight off and and so it, it loses stakes um but all in all like it, it, the I, I think so far from from what i've read i mean with the black label stuff the strongest ones i've read were, were wonder woman dead earth and uh the one i'm enjoying the most which is uh get joker um which you know has been a great. I don't know if you've looked at any of that. At all. I haven't. Uh, the, I, it's weird because it seems to have disappeared from the shelves, and I, we we seem well overdue for a third mm. issue. And I hope I haven't just it hasn't just kind of slipped by me, and I've missed it because I brought the first two. Yeah, um, who's that? Who's writing that? Is that? Uh... Oh man! So uh, <laughs> I've got to try and remember now. See, that's the trouble with also with the bi-monthly um, shipping stuff on on the black label books is I, I can't remember who created it from one month to the other. Um, right. So sorry to the creative team behind Suicide Squad, good joker. Um, but this you can get, uh, this is kind of widely available being a uh, sort of book from the big two It is widely available everywhere and you should be able to pick it up now. There's some nice variants for this as well, uh, which I didn't pick up. I looked at my comic spend this month, this week rather, and was just like, oh man, I've got to put the variant back. <laughs> it's already an expensive book at seven dollars. Yeah. Um, although you're getting Which a lot is of books. like usually the theme with the black label stuff. Yeah. Uh, although you're getting a lot of books for that money, I think that uh, it was a bit pricey. So, um, or a bit pricey for my blood this week. So, uh, do you want to move on to X Men, Liz? I know you're you're chomping the bit to talk about the X Men. Well, well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but but just you know, uh, final word on the uh, Suicide Squad. Sure. Boys. I really did enjoy it a lot. I actually, you know, I'll definitely mm. be picking up the next issue. Um, you know, and I think it's is probably you know, uh, you know, a book that I didn't expect to enjoy anywhere near as much as I did. You know, because as I say, I you know I like the Suicide Squad, but uh, but I don't normally buy it. But you know, this this will definitely be you know one that I I pick up and uh, and you know possibly even buy the collected edition. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to slowly kind of read my Black Label singles so I can get rid of those and, yeah. and buy the collected up, yeah. the ones I really like. Um, to a certain degree, I've enjoyed them all um so far but not really read a ton of uh so let's, let's move on to the x-men this is secret x-men um written by teeny howard um drawn by francisco mobili uh it has sorry <laughs> i've got to find the uh the cover page uh it has coloring by jesus abortov uh sorry jesus abortov and uh letters by vcs clayton cowles um quick synopsis for you it's the x-men when the shi'ar empire faces an unexpected threat they must call upon the x-men team co-captain sunspot and cannibal must lead marrow tempo forge banshee strong guy armor and boom boom on a secret mission to save the empress Zandra. but wait aren't those the x-men uh, aren't those the mutants who lost the election? Now, Liz, this is kind of following on, I guess, from the, is it the Hellfire Gala? Hellfire Gala. Right, where there was a, a vote to. Um, so there was what? a fan like, vote, actually. So, so right. I mean, they, they basically um, the Hellfire, you know, they they were assembling the new roster of the current X Men team, 
And uh, as part of that, they actually put a vote to fans, um, you know, to to choose one final member of the team. And uh, and they chose Polaris. Right. Uh, so uh, these were all the runners up, you know, and uh, and none of them made the final cut. So right. they uh, they are non X-Men who, you know, really, really wanted to be on the team, but did not make the cut. I mean, all, all I could say, guys, is the last time things were put to a fan vote, uh, uh, Robin died. Um. <laughs> yep. <laughs> R.I.P. Jason. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm I, sure I, there have been fan votes in between, but you know, yeah, none, none as memorable really, as that one. I have really mixed feelings about letting the fans decide what's going to be what, to be brutally honest. Um, I, I think I've kind of said that before in, in, a, in a few things, although I, I, there's lots of things we can get into. There's lots of ins and outs in it, looking at things like Snyder Cut, where it seemed to work to the benefit of of what people actually genuinely did want, uh, it seemed. Uh, regardless of whether you or I think that was the right decision. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the internet has certainly changed the game, you know, in terms of, like, mm. people, you know, making their, you know, uh, desires clear. Um, so, I mean, but, I, you think, know, I hey, think there's nothing hey. wrong with, uh, with making a thing interactive, you know, because it does sure. engage fans. It's just I mean, to, to what degree do you want to do that? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, and because this is, this is, you know, an anomaly, I think it's fine. But if it became the norm to let the fans decide, then. Mm. Yeah, that would be a bit of a problem. I mean, and also, I, I think I, I remember the days when I'm going to sound like an old man here because that's what I am. But uh, I remember the days when uh, if you didn't want to see something, you just stopped buying it. Uh, and that was how you voted. <laughs> but hey, there you right. go. <laughs> Um, I, I, I always thought that's what the letter pages were for. But anyway, so Secret Secret X-Men, which seems to kick off um, simply because Sunspot wants to get laid. Um, like Sort of. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, thinks he's going to be in the middle of a threesome, but is in fact kind of co-opted into to being uh, the bodyguard for the the Shia Empress. Um, I, I, I thought the kind of setup was fun. Yeah. You know, so he, 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 he wants to get some, he says he's the leader of the X-Men. <laughs> right. And uh, then by, by, you know. spectacularly on him. <laughs> um, wow. And I did like the little grace note moment of, uh, you know, when he's trying to assemble the team and to me, my X-Men. Right. <laughs> like, I loved it. Uh, so there's lots to like about this, um, even for a non X Men fan like me. Uh, go on, I mean you're you're the X reader. Good. Well, I mean you, I think it's I think it's a feel. pretty pretty simple setup, really. Like you know mm. it's uh, you know they're they're all the rejects who who didn't get to be in the X Men, uh, and you know and now they get to form their own team, um, mm. you know, and they're given a secret mission. Um, first by Deathbird, uh, and then basically given the same mission by Gladiator. Uh, yeah, you know, but coming from after. a yeah, coming different, from a slightly different angle. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Gladiator, you know, he doesn't re he just knows that the Empress is missing, and uh, you know, he doesn't know that they've actually, you know, Deathbird and the Precogs, you know, have uh, have 
you know, sort of helped disappear the empress because of the threat on her life. Um, which, you know, that turns out to be, you know, uh, different to what we kind of, you know, mm. uh, every everything, you know, sort of ended up being a little bit more machinations uh, by the empress herself. Um, you know, by the time we get to the end, but, uh, but, you know, yeah. yeah. There's, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's Sunspot putting his team together or, or at least trying to put his team together, which, uh, <laughs> is, is quite typically done by, by not telling people he's actually putting t a team together. I, I quite liked a lot of these beats. Uh, I mean, how about you? How did you feel about it? Yeah, you get, you just get, you know, it's, it's, it's giving you a sense of the characters, um, you know, because not everyone's going to be familiar with, like, you know, quite a lot of this roster are, you know, if you're a casual X-Men reader, you might not know who a lot of them are. I mean, you know, even they, mm -hmm. I, I'm not familiar with every single one of them, like, you know. Um, so I think, you know, this sort of exists to, you know, to help you get to know them uh, through Sunspot, you know, the what you know, and, uh, and, uh, they're all, you know, they're all very likable in their own ways. And uh, mm. so it's it's introducing you to them, to their powers, um, to their dynamics together. And, you know, uh, you know, instead of, you know, one of the things that was kind of notable about, you know, none of them being selected as, as members of the main X-Men team is the fact that none of them, you know, held it against Polaris. None of them, you know, became jealous or, you know, they all stuck together and, you know, um, and that's that's what kind of keeps them wanting to work together through this. I like, <laughs> it, it, even reading it as as a casual X Men reader, in fact, not even really a casual X Men reader, uh, just an occasional, an occasion, a very occasional X Men reader. Um, I you could tell it's an X Men book straight away, even you know disregarding the costumes and the characters, because. You know, conventional wisdom says no more than about 24 words per word balloon. Uh, <laughs> I counted one of the word balloons in this, and it had something like 54 words in it. It's um, dense. It is very yeah, dense. It is dense. There's a lot going on. And uh, there's like 30 characters and lots of standing around and talking. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely yeah. an X-Men book. <laughs> um, but it's good that, that Teeny Howard is leaning into what, people like in X-Men books, you know, um, and regardless of whether I like it, and, and I, I think it's a, a well done book. Um, it's a one shot. It's fun. You know, yeah. it's an introduction to a team that I think we're going to see more of for sure. Yeah, it's quite, oh, is it a one shot? I thought this was going to be uh, the new series. It's a, it's, I think it's basically going to be, um, Oh, indeed, published as a one shot. There you go. Yeah, you. yeah. It's it's gonna, but it's gonna be a team that we're gonna become familiar with. I don't know, you know, uh, what books you know they're gonna feature in, but I have the feeling coming up to this whole like you know Avengers versus X Men yeah. versus Eternals, you know, thing, mm -hmm. you know, they're gonna function um, probably below the radar because they're a secret team. Hick Hickman versus Gillen. <laughs> <laughs> versus <Yeah>. Aaron. <laughs> Sounds awesome. I, I again I I stay away from Marvel events like crazy just because uh they tend to be 
overwrought uh, uh, both um, story-wise and financially. And uh, I don't need that negativity in my life. I much prefer to read them as Panini uh, collected editions for half the price that Marvel charge for them. Um, but, you know, I, I, again, it's an event I'll, I'll, I'll gladly avoid. Um, I make no quality of judgments about the book because of that. I, I, I thought it was an entertaining book. Um, and I had, I had fun reading it. Um, I find that these days, you know what, Liz, I'm leaning much more into the visual elements of the storytelling than I am the the, the obviously written elements. As you, as you were saying, you know, direction, storyline, all that stuff is important from the writer. Uh, and I'm not trying to disregard the writer's input at all because, you know, when I think of comics, I like a lot of people, I think of writers first, you know. Um, that's the kind yeah. of Adam Moore syndrome that I think we've we've kind of all grown up with in coming from the eighties and the nineties and stuff. Um, so, uh, but just in the last few years, I think I've I've leaned towards more. What I like is less words, more images. Um, and in fact, I found some stuff recently, like the Eternals. By, by Kirby and again great artist you know but like it was just like oh god I wish I could just lean more into the visual elements of this which are great rather than the 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 text and dialogue which I think is actually slowing it down well um, yeah, there's there's like you know something to be said for that like uh you know sometimes when I read older stuff like that and you know and I'm just trying to like you know it, you know if, I, if I'm in a bit of a hurry to read it you know, a lot of times I, I can skip over like the text boxes and, you know, just read the dialogue and, you know, because a lot of times you don't need that, um, you know, <laughs> no, sometimes you really don't like older stuff. Don't, don't knock it, dude. Yeah. Um, I mean, true. I, I, I could, for example, a lot of times remember... it's like a summary of what you're watching, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I you don't mean... need it. Again, I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking uh, Tinny Howard's ability to write a comic at all uh, by saying this. Um, I, I think it's a well-written comic. I, I, I think there's a lot of dialogue. <laughs> there's a lot of dialogue. well, yeah. In this instance, and... there's a lot of dialogue, um, and it's you know it's characterization. You know, it, it's it's familiarizing you with their personalities and stuff. So I, I yeah. get the function of it in this instance. Um, you know, it, it was probably like it's more dialogue than I think you would need, you know, for like a full series. And and also, I will say it's like this isn't a controlled kind of sampling for me of Tini Howard's work because mm. I haven't read enough of it to know her as a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, what what difference does my opinion make? None really. Um, she she's obviously a good writer who gets hired to write comics. Yeah, you know. I mean, no one's hiring me to write comics, so right. Yeah, no, I like my, her. I yeah. like Tini Howard. I think she's yeah. I, I don't know enough of her work, so right. I'm being a bit. I think I'm, I'm. What it is is I've hit a, a week where I'm kind where the the kind of more wordy storytelling has kind of uh, bugged me more, and you, you know, in general, in general, because uh, I, I think also I'm trying to get through a lot of comics at the moment. <laughs> So, <laughs> right. You know, I'm trying. I mean, I'm trying to catch up on several years of Moon Knight, and uh, in the space of a few days, <laughs> it's, fair enough. You know, you're really kind of having to to pound it. 
Um, yeah, but overall, it, like this, would, I would you it. recommend this? I would recommend it's a you know what I think is is nice about it too is um is that actually it's bringing the Shi'ar back into it because they haven't really right. you know played a big role in um you know sort of the post Hickman era yet like you know uh and i think uh you know this this uh sort of alliance because uh you know th this team essentially is going to function in secret under um empress zandra who is the daughter of professor x and right okay and, you know the late lalandra uh so uh you know basically it's it's another xavier uh leading a team of x-men but you know, uh, in secret, uh, without consulting, you know, her dad. Uh, mm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see what that means for you know this uh, this potential um, battle between the X Men, the Eternals, and you know the Avengers. So, you know, having the Shi'ar yeah. on side working with the X Men, you know, could really come in handy, you know, in some big intergalactic battle. Be interesting to see if they side side with the Eternals, though. I mean, given the cosmic nature of of who the Eternals are and where they're from, uh, and the things like the Celestials. Um, but again, I, I'm I'm talking out of my backside because I, I just don't know enough about any of those characters. <laughs> so I I am working my way through some Eternals stuff with the uh, Neil Gaiman uh, Eternals being next on my list. Um, so let's talk about the last book tonight land of the living gods um now this you haven't read so I'll, I'll just get through it as quickly as possible um this is from aftershock comics uh hot tipped book for the week um it, it's a nice looking book i'll just give you a quick rundown of the crew the creators are and what it's about so the writer is isaac uh, i hope i pronounced this correctly um Mogajane. And the artist is Santos. Um, the letters are by Dave Sharp. Um, so this book, <clears throat> I'll give you a quick rundown. It is said that when the world dies, the spirits of the first people will return to witness the last days of humanity. Well, the spirits have arrived and the end is here, but not everyone has given up hope. Naledi, a teenage girl living in the deserted city once called Johannesburg, uh, has always believed that there is a land hidden away uh, in a time where the gods still live uh, and where the gods uh, and where there are gods sorry about that uh, where there are gods there are miracles perhaps even miracles that are big enough to save our dying planet and so after a lifetime of isolation the lady will head out into the unknown uh, with little to hold on to but her faith and her magical pet plant Buyo. Um so that, that pretty much sums it up. Um, we are, it is in a kind of quasi-postal-apocalyptic world where there's very little part life. So it's a bit kind of like um, Interstellar where they've had that kind of blight thing and, you know, plant life is dying out. And, and you know, rest assured, that will be one of the things that, that kills humanity eventually. Um, once plant life and, and, you know, bees especially are a, a big worry Uh uh, I, I do find myself randomly worrying about that sort of stuff. Uh, um, and Johannesburg has become a sort of quasi-magical land where you're constantly kind of witness to ghosts. 
um, stepping into situations from time to time and people are, are kind of re-embracing old magic and things like that. Um, once again, as with new masters um, and uh, primos last week, it's great to see uh, fiction about other cultures um, and from, you know, creators from other cultures other than, you know, Western sort of uh, influences. I really enjoyed this. Um, I think it has a really interesting pitch and it's a really kind of different way to do a post-apocalyptic uh universe i'm gonna try and show you some images from it um i don't have many unfortunately i couldn't couldn't get many images from it um so i'll just bring those up for you now uh for those of you watching on video there you go i mean um it, it's kind of it does feature action there is a kind of futuristic um uh sort of techno landscape coming into the book as well so you get a lot of kind of futuristic knickknacks and toys um and you know I, I think that as we move through the next few decades we are going to be very much embracing technology to save our lives um how that's going to happen i don't know um I, you know I, I wish i had the, the kind of wherewithal to keep up with technology now and i don't like, I, I just don't. I, I think I've, I've reached an age, and I don't know if you feel this way. You're a bit younger than I am, so probably not. But I've reached an age where technology has moved past my comprehension to a certain degree. I mean, I don't know. I think uh, there's, there's like, stuff that I guess might be. But, I mean, nothing that I don't feel like I could learn if I wanted to. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, sure. I mean, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, I just think that, that in terms of the wider world, I think that technology is going to surpass my understanding of it to a certain degree. There are some things now that I scratch my heads over. Um, but I, I, I think that the kind of wider um, landscape of the world is going to change sufficiently. In one sense, it's not moving fast enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think we've we've moved as far ahead as I, I would have uh, liked yet. Um, but I think that's the Tomorrow's World syndrome. In the UK, in the uh, late 70s and 80s, Liz, there was a program called Tomorrow's World, which would highlight new technologies and emerging technologies. And you would never see any of those bloody things ever reach sort of public consumption level. But they were fascinating. Um, and it was just like, uh, I think there's an element of of kind of constantly being disappointed by what te technology can't do, even though we're walking around with with effectively, you know, computers that are more powerful than our home computers in our pockets every day. Right. Um, and a lot of the focus is on technological abuse, how we how we abuse technology, how technology is used to abuse us. However, I think there is another thing that we're not really looking at is, is and that's how we're going to live with technology because you know information is out there and it's a super weird substance and information is is reaching a point where where it is surpassing humanity so it is growing faster than we are um it, and it's its own life form now almost and i think there needs to be some addressing of that um and at what point 
does information move past us? And at what point does technology decide that actually the most unnecessary component in the world is actually humanity? Uh, because I, I'm already there. I think humanity is almost entirely unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to right. say to um to do you remember Rosetti who we used to work with mm -hmm. uh from time to time at, at Orville? I used to say to her, you know, if I ever get into some sort of nuclear command bunker, you can just kiss it all goodbye because we're all going down. I, I just I, I'll just get rid of it all because I I actually think you need a, a huge reset <laughs> on an almost galactic scale at this point i i think our, our our tiny little planet has gone out of control um but i i think it's nice to see stories about people fighting for humanity sorry i know i've gone on a, on a big rant there but um i actually think it's fascinating to see people in stories fighting for humanity um and this is a book that, although it resides in the future, leans back into the past. It relies on ghosts and spirits and gods and things that we just don't believe in right now. Also, I found it interesting that in our fiction at the moment, there's an awful lot of um, uh, ontological kind of um, growth. I, I, I think that we're relying on on the ideas of gods and what gods will do and what they are for, for a lot of our fiction. Um, and we've seen it in like a couple of books in the last week. It's in this book. Um, like, I, I, I don't know where this is coming from. Well, I mean, it's, are, are we you know, it's, back? It's, it's a timeless, you know, sort of uh, sure. trope. Sure. Um, are we? But I, I wonder if, as a society, we're going to start moving back to a, uh, you know, as technology move for, moves forward, will humanity move back to a, a kind of more spiritual age? Uh, I, I don't know. I doubt it because uh, I, I have, again, my own views on humanity and they're not very positive. <laughs> well, I mean, I just think, uh, yeah. Uh, it's possible, you know, uh, I mean, in terms of like, you know, religion, I don't know about that, but spirituality, maybe. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of organized religion, personally, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, and I think this book starts to address that. I'm sorry, I, I've gone way off base with this book, but uh, I, well, think I haven't read worth, it, so you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know how much it, of what if you're you get, saying. Is... If you get a chance to buy any of the copies Ooh. left after people have come in and brought five at a time, um, which is just pure speculator. Oh yeah, shit, yeah. I mean, normally know. we we do, uh, you know, and I'll I'll just say this, you know, we do limit copies. Um, mm normally uh you know of, of hot tipped books because we want uh, as many people as to be gosh, able to yeah. read them as possible you know yeah. uh, and and that's going to be the key to the book ultimately surviving i think it isn't going to be you know johnny smogs buying five copies and selling them to you on ebay for, for 15 quid or 20 quid a time um but yeah i, I like this it's, it's an interesting book i i think i don't know if i'm going to trade weight or carry on yet I'm, I'm i i think i want to give it another read and, and see see how i feel about it uh remember obviously some of the books that we talk about this week will be available in the uh, web shop which the link 
Uh, it's in the description for, uh, also in the description, funny enough, is a link for the Patreon. Um, I do want to address, kind of just going off of what we were talking about last week, the, the, the cost of the, the website and doing this stuff and the comics and everything. So, so I, I did my first year's taxes, <laughs> which was a, a painful, painful thing. Um, but, you know, the first year the website cost about two and a half grand to three grand, something like that, um, all told with all the costs of, of setting it up and, and, and all that, which, is, you know, it isn't drastically expensive. Um, but I'd like to expand the amount of content we put out and the amount of stuff that you see and, and the types of comics that you see on there. And the only way to do that is with, unfortunately, support uh, from the, the public in general, uh, so if you're watching this and you want to commit to the Patreon, please do. It's It starts at £2 a month. You get stuff for that. Uh, we are a bit behind on, on, on updating the Patreon stuff. There will be more stuff coming. Um, so, so Liz and I will be recording some some little video specials, and uh, I'm sure some of the other people I have on will be, will be doing stuff as well. Uh, and it kind of goes up in tiers. Um, yes, it does take me a bit of time. And the reason why everything takes me so long is because I am just one person and I, I'm trying to put out a, a staggering amount of content for, you know, compared to the, the amount of time I have, you know. Um, so I hope some of you will consider supporting that because, uh, you know, as much as people say money can't buy you time, it actually can uh, because it's it's how you get to spend that time and where you get to apply that energy. Uh, and I think that's that's kind of the real difference. So, so I do want to say thank you to our newest um, uh, patron, Gervais Lorraine, who we, we actually know from, from our days at Orville. He's a lovely guy. Uh, and I'm really kind of pleased to have him on board as a patron. Thank you. Uh, the stuff actually at the Patreon level you are at, Gervais, is, should be on sometime next week. Again, it, it's just finding the time to, to, get, to get that stuff done. Um, but yeah, if you want to sign up, please sign up. I, I want to say thank you to all our patrons because we really, really cannot do it without you. It is critical um, that, that you're there. And uh, you, because it is mostly people I know at this point still, I, I do have to say, you know, I, I am genuinely touched by the support, like, like absolutely genuinely touched by the support. Um, now, I think that's it from us. Got anything Might else be. you want to say? Uh, I do want to recommend uh, Moon Knight by Bendis and Maleev, uh, which I read. Sorry, no visuals for this one. You might just be able to see it there. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. I, I was thrilled to see that back in print. That it came mm. out um, last week, I believe. Uh, yes. Yeah, and I, we were already sold out at, at that sea. Um, you know, we, we got a big stack of them and they went like mm. hotcakes. Um, that I read that back in the day when it was coming out and, uh, and I remember I really loved it. Um, but it's been, it's been years. I'd really like to reread it. Of course we've sold out of it. So, uh, you yeah. know, I might have to wait, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, uh, I, when you messaged me to say how much you were enjoying it, I was like, oh yeah, that was so good. Uh, yeah, I, I I absolutely loved it. Do you know, it's one of those runs that until a couple of years ago, I wasn't aware it even existed. Like, I, I didn't know, because this is post-Daredevil. Um, uh -huh. And it actually uh, reintroduces Echo. 
um, she she pops up and, and has quite a significant storyline, which I won't I won't give away in this. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's very different from something like I've, I've read some really early uh, Doug Munch. Um, I hope I'm saying that name right. Doug Munch and uh, Bill Sinkovich. Um, Sinkevich, sorry, uh, uh, Moon Knight recently. It's radically different from that. It starts to play with the idea of the uh, uh, disassociative disorder that, that um, Mark Spector or Stephen Grant or Jake Lockley, because he doesn't know who he is, is suffering from. Uh, and it manifests itself in a very unique and interesting way. If you've not read this, I'm not going to give it away because right, but it's it cool. Is a, it's really, yeah, yeah, it is really cool. Um, and I, I think they kind of at least attempt to talk about some of that stuff. Uh, and, and then what is interesting is going into the the Ellis Shalvey run that follows this, which was done a, uh, like I think about two years later. Um, that or a year later, rather, that um, that starts to pick up those threads even further. Uh, and that is quite interestingly written. And then I've now, I'm just about to start the Lemire run. Um, uh, I, I'm steamrolling through this stuff because it's it's good stuff. They're um, pre- aren't they putting that back into print in like a so sort of done-in-one collected thing? or The, the early Shelby stuff for... Uh, understandable reasons is it doesn't seem to be on the schedule for a reissue the the lamaya run does and then the bennis run uh oh yeah it is also being reissued and i think by the end of april uh you'd have had all that stuff out um so yeah it's it's all worth picking up so far um i'm as i said i'm not on the bennis run i'm I'm literally just about to crack open the first page of the 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 lamaya stuff yeah um, which is, is probably some of the most visually interesting. And it is all visually interesting. I mean, yeah, they, isn't it they, Greg Smallwood? Uh, yeah. So it's yeah. uh Greg Smallwood, who I think might have been a holdover from the the back end of the um uh Ellis and Brian Wood stuff. Uh you, you know, there's there's some fascinating ideas in it uh unfortunately i'm not sure so i will be writing about the bendish one on the site i i i am in two minds about whether to write about the ellis shelby run because of the creators involved sadly i am you know sorry but it's it's just one of those things where it becomes a bit difficult to talk about however we'll see about that um i'm definitely going to be writing about the lamai run Definitely going to be writing about the Bemis run. Uh, there is so much good stuff there that I think you can you can kind of get a good sample of where Moon Knight's at and and what they're going to use for the show. And of course, we will be talking about the comics more when we when we cover the Moon Knight show in a few weeks. Uh, so that those start. I don't know when we're going to do this for a show. We've got to, we've got to plan that out, Liz. Right, I'm not sure either, but you know, we'll figure it out. Um. Um. But yeah. Uh, so that's it from us. We've done nearly an hour tonight. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope you've enjoyed uh, hearing about and seeing, for those of you watching on video, seeing some of the books. Uh, you can buy them at Gosh Comics in the UK or from That's Entertainment in Massachusetts if you happen to be there. Um, we hope you guys have a good weekend. Uh, remember, this is our new time slot, Saturday evenings. Uh, the 
podcast version. Sorry, a bit delayed this week again. Just it's just finding the time. Uh, I've had to do a few extra days at the shop, so haven't really had a chance. But the podcast version is is live now uh, for last week's episode and going forward. I would say Sunday nights at about 10 p.m. would be a good bet. That's probably when I'm going to have it up. Um, so you'll get the podcast version, Spotify, Apple, and all the usual places on there. Um, guys, thanks very much for watching and listening. It is always a pleasure to be talking to you all, Liz. It's uh, always a thin slice of heaven talking to you. Uh, I know. <laughs> very thin slice. A very thin slice. Minuscule, one would say. But delicious. Barely perceptible to the eye and the taste buds. A very, very thin slice. Um, so uh, have a great day week Liz uh, I'm sure you, you've got a lot of uh, fun stuff planned for the week and uh, we'll catch up with you uh, soon all right so goodbye